You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. If you don't need a Bible, you can go ahead and have a seat. Uh-uh. I say it's funny that you guys are all like chatty right now because like 30 seconds ago when we were singing, you're all just standing there with your mouths closed. Uh, so just throwing that out there. Anyway, so as I mentioned earlier, starting a two-week series on Christmas, right? I'm going to tell you guys what's really the deal with Christmas, right? No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, it's... Uh, me getting an Xbox, right? Come on. That's, that's what Christmas is all about. Most of you guys are like, what are you talking about? I already have three of those. Um, that's all right. That's all right. I had a PlayStation 3, but it, it died on me the other day, so oh well. Uh, no, the only thing I... So here's... Shh, this is not planned in my message, but I'll just go ahead and share it. Here's a, here's a random fact about JJ. I worked at GameStop for like two and a half years right? I was like assistant manager and stuff. But here's the deal. When I first started working at GameStop, I didn't own a, like a single console at all. I, did, I didn't play any. I, was, I am not and was not a gamer. I just have never, I mean, give me like FIFA. I'll play that all day long, but I'm not like a real gamer. All right. I'm a button masher kind of guy, right? That's just, that's how I roll. And so the only thing that I bought while I was, uh, while I was at GameStop, was a PlayStation 3, mostly just so that I could play the Batman games and watch Blu-rays. That was about it. That was about it. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's an aside. That has nothing to do with, with my message. That's just you knowing a little bit more about JJ. The other random fact about me right now is it is really hot in this sweater. This thing is so hot. I, I do have a shirt under it, too, which makes it worse. Which makes it worse. Uh, anyway, shh. Speaking of the sweater, there's, a, there's an ugly side of Christmas, right? So, like, there are, there, what are some ugly things about Christmas, right? The sweater, right? Here's the funny thing about ugly sweaters. Is that, like, ugly sweaters that you get right now are actually, like, semi-cool looking, right? And there was one that I was going to buy today that, like, uh, had, like, minions on it and stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. But then my initial reaction went, oh, because it's awesome, I shouldn't buy it because I'm trying to buy, like, an ugly sweater, right? So, um, my beard is just a little bit, sorry. Um, so, the uh, ugly sweaters are really not ugly anymore. We're just making fun of people who, like, 10 years ago would actually make sweaters like this, but they looked ugly and thought that they looked awesome. Um, so, there's, th- there's that fun fact. But what are, what are some other, I've got, I've got a few things that are kind of ugly in Christmas, right, that I can think of. The first one, uh, fruitcake, right? How many of you guys have ever actually tried a fruitcake, right? I think I've only ever seen one like once in my whole life. I've never tried it. I just thought they were a myth for a long time. I, I just thought it was something that people just randomly made up. Um, so yeah, fruitcake, that's pretty ugly looking. I, I've never eaten one, but it doesn't look like I'd want to. Um, that one also looks a little burnt. So there's that. So shh, 
This next one, don't go, don't go yet. This next one's pretty appropriate for where we are today, like just a few days removed from Black Friday, right? So like, go ahead. We have, we have ugly, like people being ugly while they're shopping, right? They're just like fighting. There was like this video that I was going to show, but there was cussing in it, so I decided not to. Uh, but there's like these ladies throwing down over this TV, man. Like one girl's like got her by the hair and she's like smacking the mess out of her and stuff. I mean, they're... They're going full nuts over these TVs that are like, you save like 30 bucks maybe or something. I don't know. Um, I'd rather just pay 30 bucks more the next day or something. I mean, like, I don't want to fight somebody over saving that money. <laughs> right? Well, excuse me. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Want a donut? Right? Uh, now, what's funny is I didn't watch the video, but I saw the article that was like, all Canadian stereotypes confirmed. And I was like, well, then I know what the video is at that point. They're just like walking nicely into a store. Um, so that just means that Canadians are better than us. But so uh, I got one more thing uh, that I could think of. Ugly Christmas trees, right? There's like, there's like Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Then there's like, hey, I found this giant limb in my yard. I'm going to lean it up here and throw some stuff on it and call it a Christmas tree, right? fact, that's my tree at home. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey. So there are, there are some ugly things at Christmas. Shh. Typically when you think Christmas though, you think of like, uh, you know, like that perfect tree. You think of like nice lights out in the yard or you think of like somebody playing like ACDC to lights bouncing around in the yard or something. Like it's, it's like shiny and awesome, right? At, at Christmas, shh. When you think Christmas, you think shiny and awesome. That's what I think, right? Presents are shiny and awesome. The wrapping is? All right, listen up, listen up, listen up. But there's another, there's another side of, of holidays and a Christmas. Listen, listen, listen. I, I appreciate the energy. But listen, okay? There's another side uh, of Christmas, though, that can be ugly in a different kind of way. Like, these are, these are silly. I mean, they're real things, but they're, they're kind of silly. But there are other parts of holidays that are kind of ugly. So when I was a kid, my family was, was really poor. I mean, they're not, they're not rich by any means today, but they were, they were really poor, all right? And there was one Christmas I remember specifically. I was, so I'm, one of, I'm the oldest of four kids uh, in my family. And uh, it, was, it was at a point, I think it was like early high school, um, like I, I was old enough that I kind of knew what was going on in the house. I knew what was happening around me, and my siblings kind of didn't. They were still in that, thankfully, like child-naive stage where they didn't like kind of really pay attention to what was going on. But this one Christmas, my parents were like stressed to the max, fighting all the time and yelling at each other. Uh, and my parents, not saints, but they generally are not like cussing at each other all the time. Um, but they, they were pretty, they were pretty stressed and, and fighting a lot this Christmas. Um, and I found out through just being nosy, uh, and like standing around the corner at the right times, uh, and that sort of deal, cause I'm creepy like that, um, that my parents, uh, didn't have the money that Christmas to buy us kids any gifts at all. And so that's a, one, that's a cardinal sin to my mom. Like my mom is super generous she doesn't have much, but she's super generous with what she does have. And so not being able to get gifts for people, especially her own kids, is, like, is just devastating to her, okay? So they had no money to get us any gifts at all. And this isn't like, oh, I feel bad or whatever. I mean, this is just a real story, okay? Um, 
no money to get us gifts. They also didn't have money to pay all of their bills that month. And so it just kind of piles on, right? It kind of piles on. And it's just this stress. Luckily, to end the story kind of on a happy note, the church that we were involved in at the time, I don't know how they got word. Uh, I don't know if it was my parents being humble enough to, to communicate with somebody what was going on or what. But uh, some Sunday school classes found out what was going on, and they, they pitched in and, and, like, helped pay my parents' bills and stuff. And then they also, like, bought us kids a bunch of gifts to give to my parents so that they could give them to us uh, and that sort of deal. And so I, I still got Christmas gifts uh, that year. But it was still, I could still see, I, I knew what was going on, okay? And so I could still see in my parents that day, like, they were glad that we got stuff and that we got, it was Christmas and, and that sort of deal. But it was still... It was still different seeing their kids get gifts that like, they didn't actually buy them, right? You get where that would kind of be weird, yeah? And so it's just, it was kind of an ugly Christmas in, in, my, in my family. That, uh, that's never happened since and never happened before, uh, but that, that, was, that was pretty ugly that year. Uh, and luckily my dad, you know, work stabled out for him and that sort of deal, and so it's been, it's been good since then. Uh, but I think more often than not, we have stuff like that go on. Well, I think there's stuff like that that goes on all year round. But holidays, those sorts of things seem to be worse, right? Because it's supposed to be a time of joy and happiness and love. But then all this, this stuff in life, the ugly in life kind of bleeds in and distracts us from what holidays are supposed to be about, right? And so for some, maybe it's not, maybe it's not financial issues. Maybe, or maybe it's not even really described as ugly, Maybe it's described as depressing, right? You guys are in junior high, but you've probably lived long enough to experience some kind of significant loss of a loved one, right? A grandparent or somebody. Um, and so sometimes holidays can be depressing, and then it's a reminder of what you've lost, right? Somebody that you love dearly that you would normally get gifts for, they're not around this time of year, and so you can't get a gift for that person, right? All these things that are, that are ugly that just kind of inundate this holiday that's supposed to be joy, it's supposed to be love and peace and uh, all these things, right? All the fruit of the Spirit. Um, it's supposed to, supposed to be all these things, but all this ugly, all this ugly crashes in, kind of like this sweater. It all just crashes in, right? Um, <laughs> this thing is so hot. Um, with the Christmas story, though, you guys are all familiar with Jesus, the, the coming of Jesus, right? You've heard this story a lot. Typically, we think, oh, yeah, Jesus came, he's a cute little baby, you know, and all this thing. And then you think, oh, yeah, they run a barn, so it was kind of dirty and ugly, you know, a little bit. But there are some other, there are some other ugly elements of this story. So this story of Jesus coming, which is one of the grandest stories ever told when you get the real meaning of what, that story, what it is, right? Jesus, the Messiah, the king of the universe, coming to rescue his people. Like, that's really cool. That's an awesome story. Um, really happened, so it's more than a story, but, um, but there's, there was ugly in all of that. In all of the story of Jesus' birth, there was ugly. And let me, let me tell you, or let me, let's go in words, got to say them, uh, and show you what I'm talking about. So turn to the book of Matthew. Pull your Bibles out, turn to the book of Matthew. I'll reference uh, Luke, which is kind of the traditional red story, but I'm, we won't have to turn there. You can hang out in Matthew once you get there. Chapter 1, so the very beginning of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. They're going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. So let me read. Well, we just get through 
I always like to give you guys some context. Okay? You, again, you, you probably know this story, but for those who don't, uh, all the verses leading up to this have been a genealogy, a telling of where Jesus' lineage comes from, because prophecy tells that the Messiah, the Savior, is supposed to come from the line of David. And so Matthew and then also Luke, who record uh, the story of Jesus' birth, give us these lineages so that we know it, it just further proves the prophecy fulfilled and further proves that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Okay, so we, all these genealogies, and then it comes here, it says in 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they were married, uh, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So here we go. In the very beginning, telling the story of the king of the universe stepping in to rescue his creation. In the first two verses, the first two verses there, the word divorce is used. That's kind of ugly, right? Now, they don't, thankfully, they don't, they don't get divorced. But, but it's kind of ugly. Think about this, okay? Even in today, even, even, even today, where you are, you think of a woman who becomes pregnant before she's married. You're typically going to think bad things about that person, right? Like, oh, they were doing something they're not supposed to. Because even, even in our culture today, uh, as way less conservative than this culture uh, which Jesus was born in, it's still kind of faux pas to, to be pregnant before you get married, right? That's just kind of bad, right? And so there's like whispers in the hall, like, can you believe all these things, right? You think bad things. Well, imagine not only is she pregnant before she gets married, but her fiance ain't a baby daddy, right? Right? So then you're like, oh no, she's sleeping around town. Like, who is, who is, like, Jerry Springer, where you at, man? Let's figure out who the dad is, right? I mean, so, like, this is pretty ugly stuff. This is, this is pretty ugly stuff. All, all the people in town, basically, one commentary I was reading said, basically, they viewed Mary as a prostitute. As bad, as, as equal and as bad. That's, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's where they were culturally, that she were to become pregnant before she was married and by somebody who was not her fiance. That's a huge, that, I mean, I think that's a huge deal now, but it was, it was really a huge deal in this culture in which they were born. So this scandal immediately, right from the beginning uh, of Jesus' birth, there's an ugly side to all of this, okay? But there's, I won't get there. I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it kind of breather. So if you look over in the, the Luke story, I'll probably get in trouble for this next point. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. Okay, so like another another ugly element of this story. Um, so there was Mary was viewed as a terrible person, but uh, traveling uh, traveling pregnant lady. All right. So the story goes after she she becomes pregnant. There's some other things that happen or whatever. But then where do they have to go? Bethlehem, right? So they have, Joseph and Mary have to travel to Bethlehem because the, the Roman government is doing this census, and he had to go back to the place where his lineage is from, which is from David, which is in Bethlehem. And so he and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem. And so here is Mary, very pregnant, traveling. And I don't know how many of you have ever traveled with a pregnant lady. Some of you who went to, like, Fall Retreat a few weeks ago and rode with my wife, you traveled with a pregnant lady. Here's one downside to that. Every, like, 45 minutes to an hour, you've got to stop so they can pee. Right? And so she's like riding this donkey, and she's like, I got to pee again. Just like, okay, gosh. Right? And they pull off the road. Um, 
But also, I mean, that's not that bad for Joseph. We don't feel bad for him at all on that. But she, I mean, this is not like walk across the street to Monrovia Middle School kind of traveling. They didn't have cars or any of that kind of stuff. She rode a donkey for miles and days to get to Bethlehem, all right? That's not pretty. My wife would say, forget you, Roman Empire. You don't have to count me. I'm not going, right? Uh, That sort of deal. So there's this other, it's sort of silly, but uh, ugly side uh, of this story as well. And then when they get to Bethlehem, what happens? What? (laughs) Well, when they first get there, they try to find somewhere to stay, right? They try to find somewhere to, to, to hang out and sleep, you know, a roof over their head. And, uh, and because all these people are in town for the census, I love you, Donnie. You're the best. Uh, I can always count on you to distract everyone around you. It's great. Um, all right, listen, listen. So they're trying to find a, a place to stay, and there's no room anywhere because all these people are in Bethlehem for the census. Uh, and so, so it said the room in the end, the hotel, right? Was, there was no room at all. And so they, they have, end up going to this barn, which was likely uh, more of a cave than a barn like we think of because of the terrain and, and the time uh, sort of deal. And so they're in this barn. Uh, she has Jesus, and his first crib is a feeding trough for animals, right? Like a place that you would normally just put like slop food for animals to eat. So Jesus, the king of the universe, right, like the ruler and creator of all, is here laying as a baby in this feeding trough. I think, I think we get that intellectually sometimes, but I don't think we really get that, like how significant that is. I won't dwell on that much longer, okay? But, but so there was no place to stay. So there was no place for the creator of all to come into the world to rescue everyone, except for a barn that was not really fit for humans in general, but especially babies to really be hanging out in, right? But here's where the story gets even worse. Probably the ugliest detail of the entire story of Jesus coming into human existence was the fact that King Herod, you guys... You guys know who King Herod was, right? So there was Caesar, who was like the emperor, and then Herod, like he ruled the region of Israel, right? He had every baby boy from two years old and younger murdered. In his region, in Israel, he had every boy two years and younger murdered. Because he knew the prophecy that a king was coming, right? They... The prophecy was that Jesus, the Messiah, who was coming would be a king, and it was true, but not the way they thought. He thought that the king that was coming was someone who was going to come and politically and economically take over, and so he was going to kick Herod out of office. So he was jealous of this baby who was supposed to be the one to come and overthrow Herod, and so he decided to do away with him, and he didn't know who Jesus was specifically because the wise men threw him off the trail, and so to try and just kill Jesus, even though... Though he didn't know who he was, he kind of knew that Jesus was around two years old at the time. He just decided to have all baby boys in the region killed. Isn't that crazy? Look, I'm not lying to you. So go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent 
and killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had uh, ascertained from the wise men. Now, with all of this ugly going on in this story, with all this craziness going on in this story, it'd be really easy for Mary and Joseph to lose focus on what's really happening here, okay? So all of this craziness, starting with scandal, with all the travel, and then even at this time, they had to, like, travel with a, with an, a, a kid who was, like, two years old, which is the worst, right? Uh, and so there was, there was a whole bunch of uh, stuff going on in this story, lots and lots and lots of children killed. Like, all of this is crazy, and it's, and it's ugly, but it'd be really easy for them, for Mary and Joseph, to be distracted from what's really happening here, which is the Savior of the world coming into existence to bring about the rescue that they have waited for for so long. So right here, the beginning of, the beginning of Matthew is the start of the New Testament, right? Between this, this first page of Matthew and this last page uh, of Malachi in the Old Testament, there was a 400-year gap. And the reason there are no books written from God between those two books of 400 years is because God had gone silent. For centuries and centuries before the end of the Old Testament, God had promised that he was bringing rescue, that he was sending a savior. He had made that promise, and God doesn't break promises, right? This means yes? God doesn't break promises. So for centuries, Israel has been waiting for their God to provide rescue. And then God goes silent for 400 years. I know we don't really understand how long that is, but like, as far as I know, the U.S. hasn't existed for that long, right? Like, so this nation that we live in, I, I'm always afraid to say facts like that because there's like somebody in the room who's like, well, actually, it's, we've been alive, for, we've been in existence for 430 years. Uh, some nerdy thing, right? So this, the nation that we live in hasn't even been around in existence as long as this gap was that God was just completely silent. No prophecies, nothing. And then Jesus coming, actually, the angel appearing to Mary was the, beginning, was the breaking of the silence. That was the first time that any supernatural being that we know of record stepped into human existence and revealed themselves to humans for 400 years, okay? This is really significant. I know it does, it, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, and so I probably should just move on. Um, but it'd be really easy for them to get distracted from the, from the real purpose here, and that is that Jesus has come to rescue the world. But they don't. They continue to push on, and they continue to push through all the ugly and all the sad and all the bad to keep Jesus safe and to raise him so that he can become the adult who will then die on the cross, defeat death, and bring us rescue. I think for us, we allow all the ugly and all the sad and the bad in our life to distract us, one, from the ultimate purpose in life, but two, specifically in the holiday season, I think, 
a lot of times we do one of two things. Either we get completely distracted by all the bad in our families, right? Some of, some, some of you guys have uh, some weird family situations, like parents are divorced, or there's some, like, weird strains in uh, family relationships. There's always a weird Uncle Bob, right? So, I mean, like, um, always. There's always a weird uncle. I'm not sure why. Um, uh, I, I'm probably going to be that weird uncle one day, so I guess I can't say much. But anyway, shh, listen. So in, in all of these times, one of two things usually happens. Either we let all of that distract us and we forget what Christmas is about, which is celebrating the birth of our Savior who was born to die for us, right? Or we just kind of shut all that out and we fake it. We smile. We do the whole, like, uh, Madagascar penguins thing. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave, right? And you're just kind of faking it, but you're still not focused on what this is all about, right? We let the shiny and the, and the lights and, and all that stuff distract us. We have this enemy. Anybody know who the enemy is? The devil, Satan, right? Satan. Sorry, they shouted it out. You got to be quicker in this room. All right, listen. Let's stop. Listen, we have this enemy who's real, who's constantly seeking to keep us from focusing in on our relationship with Jesus. For those of us who are Christians, he's constantly bringing about things to distract us from being closer to Jesus. In the same way, all these, all these things in the story of Jesus' birth sought to separate Mary and, and Joseph and to, and, to, and to distract them from what was really going on there, but they held on to their faith in God and they held on to what they knew to be true, is that Jesus was the Savior, right? Some of the room... You're not Christians, and, and, and Satan continues to keep you distracted from understanding the real meaning of Christmas. And it's not just about some baby who was born in some barn, but it's about the Savior of the world coming into existence to live a perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice, to cover our punishment, right? Anybody know what the punishment of our sins is? Death. Death. Probably shouldn't say that word so happily, but... Uh, Right? Listen, listen, just a, stick with me like just a few more minutes. I'm almost done here, okay? All right, shh, listen. So our punishment for the sin that we commit daily is death. Not just like physical death. We all, we all die physical death unless Jesus comes back before our physical death. But it, the, more significantly, it's this eternal death, this eternally living in a place of death, which is called hell, right? Jesus, through all of the ugly, through all of the bad and the sad, was, was born, lived that perfect life, became the sacrifice, took on all of our sins, and those who believe in him can then have eternal life. That's huge. And that's what this, is, this, that's what this season is all about. So don't let, don't let the ugly, don't let the bad distract you from what this is all about. I'm, I'm being serious. I want everybody looking up, okay? I know so much, so much this time of year we hear all the things like, he's the reason for the season, right? Like we hear all these things, but I'm being absolutely serious right now. And it's, and it's very significant that Christmas it's okay 
to get presents. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about that stuff, okay? I'm going to buy my kids presents. People will buy me presents, hopefully. Like, it's, it's, okay, to, it's okay to get presents, okay? So I'm not, like, railing against all of that sort of stuff. But as I say, probably to the point that you, you don't even hear me anymore, it's all about our hearts, okay? It's all about, it's all about our hearts. Being focused on Jesus and celebrating. This is supposed to be a time of joy and happiness when we're celebrating the coming of our Savior, right? And that's, and that's ultimately what Satan is seeking to take from us is that joy and happiness because when you're seeking after God, those who are Christians, when you're seeking after him, characteristics that should be true of you are joy and love, right? But when you're distracted by all the ugly going on in your life, by all the bad that's in your life, that joy gets taken from you. That joy gets robbed from you. So do whatever it takes. Fight. Do whatever it takes this year at Christmas to stay focused on celebrating the coming of Jesus and and celebrating what he did for you, which was come give up heaven, become a human, and then, and then die the most painful death that has ever existed that, that we know of, right? So Jesus, I think this, this line is, is the last slide in there maybe. I don't know. Um, but Jesus was born to die for you and me. And there's no greater gift than the gift of salvation and rescue. Okay? A father losing a son is an ugly thing. But a father sacrificing his son so that all mankind can have access to eternal life, there's nothing more beautiful than that. There's nothing more beautiful than that. So I'll close with this, as I've said probably ad nauseum in this message already. Fight as hard as you can this year to make Christmas a celebration, to make it joyful, and to make it about Jesus. You can still get gifts and make it about Jesus. You can still have fun uh, with friends and and eat all the food ever and make it about Jesus, right? So let me pray, and then you guys are going to small groups. Father, I thank you so much that you sent us rescue, that you love us so deeply and you care about us so much that you gave your son in our place to be in relationship with us. Help us now as we move into our small groups to be able to digest this a little more, to talk it out, and to be able to to help one another grow in in more understanding of who who you are and who we're supposed to be because of you. Christ, my friend, amen. Remember, if you're moving over in these areas where the cables are, be careful of those.